Hi, listeners. Welcome to the Grief Out Loud podcast produced by the Dougie Center for Grieving Children. I'm Jana DeCristofero and wanted to give you just a little heads up as you listen to this episode, you'll be hearing references to our old name, which was Dear Ducky. So just so you don't get too confused, you're listening to the right podcast and we look forward to bringing you even more great content under the Grief Out Loud name. Thanks for joining us. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Dear Dougie podcast produced by the Dougie Center for Grieving Children. I'm Jana DeCristofero, and thank you for tuning in today. This podcast is meant to open up the often avoided conversation about grief. While loss is something we will all experience throughout our lives, when it occurs, most of us are left not knowing what to do, how to feel, or how to talk about it. So whether you're grieving a loss or wanting to support someone who is, we hope these podcast conversations lead to a better understanding of grief and also give you some ideas and inspiration for how to show up for yourself and those you care about. It's rare that I get to talk with the host of a different podcast. So today is especially exciting because our guest is Darwin Dave, host and creator of the Dealing With My Grief podcast. Welcome, Darwin. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. In 1978, Darwin was 10 years old. And in April of that year, his father died. Almost 38 years later, in January of 2016, he started his own podcast. Each episode delves into an aspect of his grief, whether a reflection on how his father's death has affected him as a child or how grief continues to shape and influence the adult he has become. Darwin, as I made my way through a number of your episodes, and there are a lot of them to choose from, I can't believe you've managed to record 64 in just a year and four months. I was really struck by your candor and the way you approach grief as something you carry with you, not something that you get over or leave behind. Was there a particular event or experience that prompted you to start your podcast? Yes, and that's really a two-part answer. Uh, The first part of that is I had a friend of mine lose her father, and she went to Facebook to express the way that she was feeling, some thoughts that she was having, and as a way really to memorialize her father. And it was really an online journal. And having my own story, I couldn't really determine what I wanted to do or how I wanted to put that out into the world until I happened to be on a drive home from D.C. to my hometown of St. Louis. And I was binge listening to a couple of podcasts, one of which was Dave Jackson's School of Podcasting. And he was talking about starting a podcast. And for me, that's seemed to be the perfect thing to do because my writing skills are pretty non-existent. So instead of trying to figure out how to write, it was just going to be easier for me to get a microphone and some type of recorder and just push record and talk into the microphone. And that's what I decided to do. So the combination of seeing your friend share so publicly about her grief and her experience and then getting the sort of technical inspiration Exactly. And for our audience members out there, if you haven't yet come across Darwin's podcast, please go check it out. I will link to it in our podcast show notes. It's just an amazing array of episodes from talking about pretty much anything I can imagine. I'm like, oh, I wonder if he's done an episode about this. And then I scroll through the pages and yes, you have anything from (laughs) cartoon characters to anger to seeking professional help. Thank you for the work that you're doing. Well, thank you. And I the only thing I can say is that the inspiration behind any of the, any of the episodes of the podcast are really based on how I feel. And it's just my belief that we have a certain feeling really about anything and everything that we do, see, touch, feel. For me, that podcast really is a first-person narrative of exactly how I feel. And I really do believe 
everything that I believe, everything that I've done, pretty much my entire being now um, has been established by my father's death back in April of 1978. From that perspective, I'm I'm curious of how, you know, delving more deeply into these sort of intricate aspects of your own grief from the view of being an adult looking back from what you've discovered about yourself, has it changed or affected the way you think about the grief you experienced as a 10-year-old? Yes. And, well, how do I say this? As a 10-year-old or as a child in general, you don't know what you don't know. So when I think about all the things that I talk about in the show and the podcast itself, and I really reflect on how I feel, I really think that the grief and my father's death and everything I experienced and all the things I feel are pretty much like anything else growing up as a child. So your parents tell you to do certain things and you don't understand why you're supposed to do certain things or why you feel a certain way about certain things. You get hormonal about stuff. There's just a whole bunch of different things that you go through as a child. And when I sit back and I have looked back over the last, what, 14 months and in everything that I talk about and I bring up, really is just a reflection of me not knowing what I didn't know as a child. The only thing that's been really difficult for me, and I think this is where the podcast sort of goes, is I really didn't know what questions to ask about either how I was going to feel or maybe certain types of things I was going to go through or even who to talk to from a standpoint of the certain things I would go through being fatherless at the age of 10. Uh, who was going to teach me certain life lessons, how I was going to get the experiences I was going to have, and who was going to be the person I was going to lean on. So if I look back between then and now, I guess the one thing that I would have, if I could tell myself at 10 years old, <laughs> from what I know now, is that I would have seeked out more relationships with the male figures in my life that did ultimately come very close to me, but only after I sort of let down the wall and let them into my life. Yeah, relationships would have been a bigger thing in my life. As a 10-year-old and your dad dies, you don't even know what to wonder about, right? There's just the immediacy of the loss. And so looking back, it seems like you've had this greater understanding that there were a lot of guideposts along the way that you might have had some questions about or sought more help or support from other people in your life. Correct. And, uh, you know, for me, that wonderment sort of came in stages. Of course, there was the immediacy at 10 years old, what's life going to be like without my dad? And then as I transitioned out of high school, excuse me, out of grade school, in high school, one of the things that was rough for me in high school was the fact that I went to an all-boys private Catholic school. And as such, there were a lot of father-son events. If you can think of an event that two people could do there was a father-son event for that activity at my school. So father-son golf, father-son bowling, any particular type of outing. And my mother had always suggested that I ask one of my uncles, my father's brother, or my grandfather to attend with me. And to me, that was sort of odd in two re for two reasons. One, the person that I was supposed to go with that should have been standing next to me at those events wasn't my father. And then I thought I would be put in the awkward position, at least to my friends, of explaining why my father wasn't there, but why I had my uncle or my grandfather. So one of the things that I have grown to do now that I didn't do then is that I really never talked about my father. So if you didn't live in the neighborhood that I grew up in or you went to school with me 
at the time that my father died, you pretty much didn't know my story. And it just felt awkward to have to explain that to people in terms of why I felt how I felt or why I would have a certain person with me that wasn't my dad. Yeah, you know, that that's a conversation that comes up over and over again, especially for the middle school kids and high school kids of they're in school, they're with their friends, and some people know, but a lot of people don't know. And they wish people knew, but they don't, but they also wish people didn't know. So there seems like there's a lot as a kid of navigating how other people are perceiving your situation, your family situation, and what they know and what they don't know. Well, for me, I, all right, I was I lived sort of a double life, <laughs> and I know that's sort of weird to say, but my parents owned a convenience store. Everyone in my neighborhood would come to that store at some particular point in time. All of the children, pretty much everybody, young and old, in the community that I lived in knew my story and knew about my father. And the people that I went to grade school knew about that. But once I transitioned, like I said, into high school, it was just one of those things I didn't necessarily want to talk about. And I can say that one of the things that sort of helped me be as normal as possible were my friends. So the people I grew up with, once my father died, there was the natural curiosity that kids had about how that happened, what I saw, who was responsible. So again, so the normal curiosity that people have. But after that Friday, after my father's funeral, it was pretty much life as usual when I woke up on Monday. I went back to school. Kids knocked on my door. They just wanted to know if I wanted to come out and play. And it was they didn't treat me any any differently than they had, you know, before my father died. So one of the things that was a good constant for me and something that sort of helped me through that was the fact that I had friends who treated me just the same as they had the weeks before my father died. As I began to get older and really get into college, as people talked about their family, that is pretty much where I sort of came out of my shell to let those people that were closest to me know exactly what had happened to me, that's when I really started to let those walls fall and to say it's really okay to talk about this and it's nothing to be shameful of because, well, everybody goes through something. So as a child, having that that aspect of your friends just treating you the same and not, you know, asking some questions at the beginning, but really just being like, hey, Darwin, let's go play and, you know, like nothing's different really was helpful. Right. And then getting into college and, and being with some people and being able to open up a little bit more. And it, it seems like that's a theme through a lot of your episodes and your podcast of having spent a lot of time not talking about your dad, not talking about your grief. And now now it's coming out. You hit the nail on the head. If there is one central theme that I truly believe, getting back to your earlier question, that I could actually tell my 10-year-old self is to talk more about it and just let more people know exactly what I was feeling, and how I was feeling. And I would have felt a lot better sooner than I did. One thing that stood out to me as I was, I can't remember which episode it was, but you were talking about how when you were a kid, you really didn't want to hear other people's stories of loss and other people who had had someone die, at least if I'm remembering correctly, around the fact that like their death was different or their loss could not possibly compare. And it makes me think in our groups, we talk with kids about how you know, we've all had someone die. Everybody in this room has had someone die, but who died, how they died, what our relationship was with them, how we feel about the death, all those things can be really different, and yet we can still find commonalities. I wonder, looking back, what do you think that was for you as a kid of like, I do not want to hear anybody else's story? 
Well, for me, I sort of got mixed emotions about the importance of a person when they died. To give you some perspective, my father died in 1978, and the first real stories I heard about anybody else's death was, what, in 81, 82? So I guess in a few-month period, and I'm dating myself, I'm almost 50 years old. <laughs> but um, in, the, in the early 80s, was it John Lennon, the Pope, and President Reagan all got shot in a short period of time? And it was during that time that I first heard the phrase gun control. So for anybody that's listening, just to give you a frame of reference, and I mention this a lot in my podcast, my parents owned a convenience store, and my father was shot and killed in that store the day before their 14th wedding anniversary. To be a victim slash survivor of violent crime myself, I just sort of felt it ironic that my father had been dead for such a long period of time, and nobody was talking about gun control then, it was simply gun control once these famous people died. And then as I got older, maybe 15 or 16, as friends of mine started to lose grandparents or to anything from old age to cancer or whatever, it was it was sort of sting to me to hear people say that, okay, I've got this person who is 80, 85 years old and they're gone and I can't believe they're they're gone. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, I lost my father, who was 43, when I was 10 years old. For me, it was just sort of difficult to hear people talk about how bad they felt or how sorry they felt if their circumstances weren't the same or close to as mine. The only person growing up that I had or that I would allow to sort of talk to me and bounce some things off of me in terms of how we were feeling was a very close friend of mine who lost his brother in a car accident. He was actually um, hit by a drunk driver while he was crossing the street. So the two of us pretty much closely bonded. But if you weren't that person and you were trying to come to me and you were trying to tell me about how bad you felt, I just, I couldn't hear it. And I, I just wasn't willing to hear it. And it is just recently that I have come to believe that it really doesn't matter how your loved ones die. I mean, we all love someone and we all love someone very dearly. So my perspective on that changed probably 10 or 15 years ago. Loss is loss, and we grieve just as hard for someone that we've only known for 10 years as we can for someone who is 80 or 90 when they die, regardless of whether or not it's old age, heart attack, cancer. As you're talking, it makes me think that sometimes it's, well, I don't know if this will be totally true for everyone, but that it might be less about the circumstance and more about how it's talked about and how it's approached. So here you are, you're 10, and your dad was shot and killed by someone. If someone comes up to you and says, oh, I know exactly how you feel. My 95-year-old grandfather just died of old age. And I imagine as a 10-year-old, that's going to feel pretty dismissive or not acknowledging of the uniqueness of your experience versus being able to say, I've also had someone die. My circumstances were really different. Tell me about what yours is like. That's true. And I did have a few people say that. And I also had a friend of mine, I guess, who tried to comfort me. Their parents had just gone through a divorce. So I can look back at it now and rationalize the fact that he was just trying to tell me that I know what it's like to live in a home without a father. But back then, it was you're trying to compare the death of my father to your father deciding that he wanted to leave your mother or they deciding that you wanted to break up. Yeah, it does to me, or it did at that time, seem to be dismissive. And again, just through growth and just through some things I've learned as an adult, 
I realize that those people say what they're trying to say because they're trying to be helpful, even though at the time I'm extremely emotional and I'm not I'm not really trying to understand that and trying to hear what you're trying to say. I understand now that you're trying to be helpful, but yeah, you're right. To me, at 10 years old, that is sort of dismissive if you're trying to compare how or the circumstances that, that you lost someone, how that compares to myself. Again, yeah, I I did have a hard time dealing with that. And we can hear it sometimes even within the same family. You know, there might be a brother and a sister. They both had their dad die in exactly the same way. And they, too, will resist having the idea that their grief is comparable because they had separate relationships with that person, even though it's the same person and the same death. I guess my mother was the one who sort of destroyed that myth for me. When my father died, I had always assumed that I was going to be the person who was supposed to, quote, unquote, become (laughs) the, um, the man of the house. And my mother let me know that it was her responsibility to take care of me and that we were going to have very different feelings about what we were going through because of his loss. So I know that the way she felt, obviously, is a lot different than the way that I felt. So I was okay with that. Yeah, so she was able to set that stage for you. It reminds me of my my dad was 14 when his dad died and he had a three-year-old sibling and they were at the funeral, and one of the New York Italian relative guys, I don't remember which one, was like, you know, Tony, now you're going to have to be the man. Of the- I don't even think he got to finish the sentence before my grandmother ran over <laughs> and was like, <laughs> do not say that to him. I am the mother of this family. I am the adult of this family. They are children. And that was that. Nobody right. said that anymore to him. And I was, you know, that's 19, probably in the 1960s, and that was such a common thing to happen, and hopefully it's not happening as much now for kids yeah, with people saying now we need to step into that adult role. Right. You know, so much of your podcast, Darwin, focuses on your emotions and your thoughts and your perspectives about grief. I'm curious about your dad. You know, what, what do you remember about him, and how how does he continue to influence you? Oh, man. Um, <laughs> I'll tell you what. Dad was my superman. He was my everything. I can tell you that in my household, there was three of us. I'm an only child, my mother, my father, and myself. And growing up, up until the time my father died, my mother was simply the person who would put me to bed at night and would cook our meals. <laughs> that was everything else. He was everything. Um, wherever he was, I wanted to be. He was very strong-minded, a very business-like, was very good at all the businesses that uh, they had opened up and that they were running, and I just wanted to be like him. Wherever he went, I was. If he was driving down the street, he would always know to slow down as he drove past myself and my friends because he knew that I would stop playing ball with them to go with him. He really taught me a lot of life lessons really at the age of 10. But what I remember most about him was just that he was a very caring person. Um, He was someone who was always very direct not that he was necessarily strict, but he always told you what was on his mind. And I get a lot of that from him, which I think is really another reason that I started this podcast. I don't hold anything back. I tell it straight like it is, and I don't really sugarcoat anything, at least in terms of how I feel or how I think I feel. Well, thank you so much for spending time with me today talking about your experience, your podcast, and also sharing about your dad and and the man that he was and how he continues to influence the the integrity and the emotional honesty that you bring to your podcast each week. Thank you. Thanks for having me. 
I'm curious for our listeners, I said I would link to your podcast in our show notes. Is there any place else they should be looking for you? So the website itself is dealingwithmygrief.com. So there you'll find links to every episode of the podcast, also different ways to uh, subscribe to the podcast in iTunes, Stitcher, any place else that I am. I also have a Facebook group, which is facebook.com slash groups slash dealing with my grief. Might just be easier to go to Facebook and search dealing with my grief. And my own personal Instagram can be found at, uh, at DMD67. DMD67. Well, thank you again, Darwin, for talking with us today. Thanks again. I appreciate it so much for having me, and, and I appreciate all the work that you do as well. Thanks, listeners, for tuning in today. If you'd like to listen to any of our past episodes, you can find us online, D-O-U-G-Y dot or in iTunes or Stitcher or any of the other podcast platforms that you use. And do stay tuned because we are plotting and planning a name change for our podcast. So that's coming in the next couple of months, and I'll keep you posted. So thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.